0: We want to welcome you to the Gate Church this morning. My name is Pastor Kathy Miller, and I have the great opportunity to lead this great house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's good, He's faithful. I just wanted to sing a little song this morning, just a little simple song, because He's been good to us. No matter what you walk through, Where you've been, God is still good. You might be even currently saying you don't know what I'm going through right now. No, I don't, but God is still good. Maybe you're just coming into something or going out of something, but God is still good. good. God is so good. God is. God is so good. He's so good to me. God is so good. Oh, and God is so good. Yes, he is this morning. God is God is so good, He's so good to me. Do you love Him this morning? Sing this with me. And I love Him so. And I I love him so. He's so good to me. And God is so good. God is so good. Welcome, Jesus. God Father, we love you this morning. We give you all praise and all glory and honor, Lord. We welcome you to this place. Mm -hmm. Jesus, Spirit of living God, I pray you fall fresh on us this morning. You have your way at the Gate Church. You have your way in our lives. We honor you, Father. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Wow, we're so good to see you this morning. I know some of you is the first time you've been to the Gate Church, and we want to welcome you. Many of you might be joining online. Some people are curious of what's going on, you know, and they're searching. I know, I did it. You know, who should we punch on and watch this morning? I know you. Won't you stay with us? We have a word this morning. My name is Pastor Kathy Miller. I've been in this city for almost 16 years. My husband and I were sent here 16 years ago to pastor this great church. And for those of you that don't know our story, my husband passed away in January. He was the bishop over this house and the bishop over a network and bishop over many churches. And the Lord called him home. And when he did, God's still good. And he's still faithful. And he's still faithful over the gate church. And I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to lead this Grace House. Thank you so much for being here today. So I'm going to just tell you a couple stories and then we're going to get into the word. I believe I have a word from God today. I believe you're not here on accident. I believe God has a word for this house and I've been praying about it and I'm just believing that it's going to come across exactly the way it's supposed to come across. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. God said, you know what? You're going to be sitting right where you're supposed to be sitting today. You're supposed to be wearing that red shirt. You're supposed to be wearing that white shirt because God has called you to be in this house today. He's called you to join us online today. Hallelujah. Now my shirt right here says, wow, that's powerful. I have a little story about that, about my husband. So every time I would, um, we would talk and I would share with him and uh, say, listen, I know my husband's gone, but I can still talk about him. Now listen, (laughs) it's all good, guys. It's all good. God is faithful. And so listen, I'm wearing his shirt today because this is what he said all the time. So when we were in our private times, and for those of you that were close to him, and he would, we would tell him our fresh revelation. And if you didn't know him very well, he was, like, very good at revelation. Like, you couldn't top the revelation, you know. And um, I used to call him my personal Rolodex or my personal commentary. Because I would just say, you know where that verse is? He'll go, yeah, that's in Romans 6, 13. I'm like, how do you know that? I had my own personal Google. Right there. I mean, all I had to do was go, you know. And so, but this is how we kind of had it all the time. I would say, Tony, guess what? I feel like the Lord spoke to me and told me this or that. He'd go, wow, that's powerful. <laughs> and then there'd be another day when I would say, Tony, I feel like God really spoke to me and told me this or that. And this is what he revealed to me. And I'd only get a, Wow. I I learned over 43 years of marriage what's happening here. And then another day, I might come to him and say, man, I feel like God just really, I mean, I was searching in the word and la, 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 la. You know, and I go on and you know how us women do. We do 500 words compared to their five. He'd be sitting in his recliner. I'd be like talking. Da, 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 da. He's like looking at me. And if I got a, huh that was like below the line. You see what I'm saying? So if you ever got a, wow, that's powerful, you were on it. If you got just a, wow, you were semi on it. But if you got a, huh, you're done. It didn't matter. He was looking at you like, okay, that's not even the right verse in the right chapter. That doesn't even mean that. You know? And, um, and so sometimes I got the wow, that's powerful. Sometimes I got the wow. And then I learned after 43 years, if I got the huh, I better, I better like go back to the word or something. Because I always would tell him, okay, well, I just got the huh. What does that mean? What do you want to teach me? But we got to laughing about that all the time. And those of you, Jay's got the wow, that's powerful. So I decided today I would just wear the wow, that's powerful because I'm going to believe God. That it's, wow, that's just powerful. Because God has something to say in this house. Hallelujah. So I wore my uh, shirt just, if you want one, we have them for sale. We don't have them right now. They're upstairs. But we do have them if you want to request it. I just wanted to share a couple stories with you today. You know, the Bible is one big story. Stories on top of stories. But when we started full-time ministry at 21 years old, right out of Southeastern College, 21 babies. Now I think about 21, and we thought we could take the world by storm. It's a good thing we thought that because we were dumb. But we first started in ministry at 21, and I'm saying this all for a purpose, okay, Bishop, my husband, Tony Miller, his name was John, for those of you who didn't know that, his his real name was John. He was the worship leader the choir director, the special singer, the youth pastor, and the Sunday school director. In 1980, Amanda was just not even a year old. We took our first church, and we were 23 years old, and we took our first church. Dumb, but we did it, and this is how this went. He was still the worship leader, the choir director, the special singer, the youth pastor, and now the pastor, the Sunday school teacher, and head over everything. Now, why am I saying all that? Because in 1980, women were looked down upon to hold any kind of office or any kind of thing in church. Now, there were people that went before me that allowed me to be able to walk into what God has for me today. But we weren't allowed to do anything except put together cookbooks. Now, you know, you go in Goodwill today and you see all those cookbooks. There might be one I did. I have my roast recipe in there and my jello recipe in there. You might see any kind of recipes. I don't like to cook, but I have recipes. I can cook, but I, I, I don't. I, it's, it's not therapy to me. Now, there's some people that they just like the therapy of cooking and it just, they, you know, to me getting a pot out is just like, and then you got to get the spoon and then you got to put water in it. And then the most horrifying part is you have to wash it and then you got to put it back. Now, for those of you that love it, I, I love you. Please, please. I'm single now. If you like to cook, come. Put it in the little to-go bags. I'll take it. You just, just go ahead. If you feel like that's your gifting and calling, just do it. I'd rather put together flowers. I'll bring you some flowers if you bring me some food. So that's how that goes. But I'm not here this morning to raise up the banner for women. I'm here this morning to raise up the banner for Jesus Christ because I'm a living example of what God can do. I'm here to tell you this morning and the title of this message is there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Tell your neighbor there's more to the story. Tell them there's more to the story. See we live in the greatest opportunity right now than we've ever lived in our lives. We might see 2020 as the most horrible year, but God has turned it around, and he's making 21 into the most great year. We see 2020 as a failure, I see 2020 as a catapult that the church is gonna walk into that it's never seen before. I believe that. There's more to the story. You know, last week on this very platform, I I read a verse, and it's Psalms 145, 4, and it's one generation will commend your works to another generation, and they will tell of the mighty acts of the Lord. Last week, we saw the whole children's choir. Who was here last week? Wasn't, weren't they awesome? What about our six speakers? Weren't they awesome? That's where the generations, we believe here at the Gate Church that we should raise up generations, that they will know the mighty acts of the Lord, that they might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, in Psalms 145.3, I'm going to back it up one. It says, great is the Lord and the most worthy of praise in his greatness, no one can fathom. And then in verse 4, one generation will commend to the works to another generation, and they will tell of the mighty acts, and they will tell, and they will tell. I want to have a church full of they will tells. I don't know about you this morning, but I want a they will tell. We talked about this in the recent weeks. You are the greatest microphone that this age has. See, in 1980, when I started, there was one microphone. We didn't have the microphones and stuff we had today. You are the microphone. You are the ones that speak into the next generation. It's your story that's going to change lives. It's the story of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life that's going to change lives. There's more to the story. I don't want a generation in this church to say, I used to see people come down and get saved, but I don't know what happened. I don't want to see us raise a generation in this church. I used to see miracles in this house, but I don't know what happened. I used to see cars in the parking lot, but I don't know what happened. I don't want to raise a generation in this church that I want them to know that the God is God and the mighty, they'll declare the mighty acts of the Lord. We will not be afraid to tell our stories. We won't be afraid to tell our stories. Our stories develop over time. How many understand that? But we need to own our story in order to develop the story. Sometimes we don't want to own the story. We don't want to own what we've been through. We don't want to own what really God has done for us. Listen, we live in a society, let's face it, it's Insta stories. It's Facebook stories. It's screenshots. It's, what is that thing called? TikTok and Snapchat. I'm not that cool. And and so, but we live in those small moments. Now, you guys can tell the truth. When somebody puts something on there, you know you're taking your phone or your computer and you're going, hmm, I wonder if they got blue furniture. I wonder if there's a pot on the St- Warner, I put one on yesterday, and I thought, I bet you people are looking to see what kind of where I'm living because I have had one of my two dogs. Don't tell me you don't do it because I do it. <laughs> now I'm not actually looking for a pot or your blue furniture, but I, it, we, we live in that day and age, right? We want instant gratification. We want it just the story, but the story that's just a small scene in the real story of your life. And sometimes we look on those Insta stories or we look on all those media sites and we see one small scene and we don't understand the rest of the story. We don't understand the rest of the story. All of this story is a small scene to your bigger story. But what we do is we allow people to come into our lives in a scene when they don't even really know us in our real story. This is the deal, Joseph. We all know about Joseph, right? Joseph was thrown into a pit. What was that? A scene. Joseph was thrown into prison. It was a scene. We didn't see that Joseph's story was beginning to go straight to the palace that he actually would save a whole nation because he allowed his story to play out and he never got caught in just a scene. So many times in our lives when things begin to go bad, we get caught in that scene and we never can comp- comp- go forward in our real story. I'm here to tell the gate church this morning, we're not going to get caught in a scene that there's more to the story. There's more to the story. There's more to the story in the gay church life. There's more story to in your life. There's more to the story. And we don't want to get caught in just a scene. Don't stop your story because you don't like the scene that you're currently in. I'm going to say that again because I thought that was powerful. I thought that was a wild, powerful statement. Don't stop your story because you don't like the scene you're in. God has a story. Listen, if Jesus started in the manger, he didn't stay there. He grew in stature and favor. He then opened blind eyes and he healed the sick. He then was hung on a cross. But that wasn't the whole story. It wasn't the whole story. Tell your neighbor there must be more to the story. He rose again. Hallelujah. I want to just, I kind of set that all up for you because I believe there's more to the story. And I want you to turn to 2 Kings 4.8. Now listen, this is the deal. For those of you that have been in church a long time, you probably know about the Shunammite woman. For those of you that have not been in church for a long time, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. Because she's like ought not way on the list of the things that we always talk about. We talk about David and Goliath. Woohoo! We talk about the Red Sea. Woohoo! We talk about Joseph the Pit. Woohoo! But we don't ever go woohoo on the Sh- Shunammite woman. How many times have you yelled and screamed for the Shunammite woman? You know that ain't true because I haven't until I started studying her, and I thought this is the kind of woman I want to be. She was laser focused and what God had for her, hallelujah. So I want you to read it with me. Second Kings, let me get my Bible straight. This is an old Bible. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he would come by, he stopped there to eat. Now listen, I'm from the South. I was born in Pennsylvania, but I was raised in Florida. Now, if you were coming by my house when I was raised in Florida, I would give you fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, and greens. Now, I'm not sure. I've lived here for 16 years, but I'm not sure what Oklahomans would give when people walked by. Can somebody tell me that? Tuna casserole? I don't know. Now Huh? Brisket. There we go. Barbecue. Why didn't I know that? That'd be good. That'd be barbecue. So if Elisha was coming to your house, Oklahoma would give him barbecue. I would be doing fried chicken, even though I can't make it. I let other people make it. I'm just saying. So when Elisha was coming, he, the, the Shunammite woman asked him, to, asked him to stay, and she gave him a meal. And this woman, it seemed so insignificant at the time. She just invited Elisha for a simple Mill. It seemed so insignificant, but it actually was the start of her story. It actually was the start of her story. There's more to the story. It was out of her obedience that her story actually began. She said to the, her husband in verse 9, I know this man, he often comes this way, and he's a holy man. Let's make a small room for him so when he comes by, he can stay. She was so detailed. She said, put, of course, you would put a bed. She goes, make sure there's a table in there. Make sure there's a bed in there. Make sure there's a chair in there. Make sure there's a lamp in there. Because she wanted to do whatever she could for the man of God. Because she wasn't just building a room. She had no idea that she was building a story. See, she thought she was doing something for God, but God was looking for a way to do something for her. Hallelujah. This woman, who we only know as the Shunammite woman, was, had money, she had prestige, she had nice stuff, but one thing she did not have was a baby. The one thing she did not have was a baby. Tell your neighbor, there's more to this story. There's more to this story. So in 2 Kings, one day Elisha came. One day. I love that. And my Bible says one day. I love that. Because see, I believe one day we're going to walk in here and God's going to so significantly do something that we're going to be all knocked off our feet because of when God actually, he's showing up now. But I'm telling you, he's going to show up with signs and wonders that we've never seen before. One day. I love it. Elisha one day was walking through Shunem. One day Elisha was walking into the house. One day, God. One day, one day. Hallelujah. So one day Elisha came and went to his room and he laid down. And he must have been thinking about, what can I do for this woman? She has fed me and fed me. And now they built a room. So he called his servant in and said, call the Shunemite. Tell her you've gone to all of this trouble What can we do for you? So she came down to the hallway and he said, said, can we speak on your behalf for the king? Can we speak in half of the commander? What can we do? She said, nothing. I have it all. I have a home. I'm good. And he went back and he told his servant again. He said, you ask the woman, there's got to be something that we can do. She said, the servant said back to Elisha, well, She has no son, and her husband is old. He told the servant, go get her. She came to the hallway. She stood there. He looked at her, and he said, this time next year, you're going to have a son. She said back to him, don't mislead me, Lord. Don't mislead me. But God in one, next year that time, gave her a son. Now we would be shouting because God said and did what she really wanted. We would be shouting right now, yay, I got a son, yay. But tell your neighbor, there's more to the story. Listen, in verse 18, the boy grew up. He was in the fields with his father. His head began to hurt. And, and, of course, this is a typical man. I love you all, man. Hoo, 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 however you do that. Is that how you do it? I don't even know. Huh, huh, huh. I don't even know. His head began with pain. And this is what he said. Carry him to his mother. Is that so typical? Come on, ladies. You know it's the truth. Carry him to his mother. This next part's not good though, y'all making me laugh. Uh, But the boy died in his mom's arms not too many hours after that. So she went and she laid him on the man of God's bed and shut the door. She called her husband, send me a servant and a donkey so I can go get the man of God. Quick, quick, was this a scene in this Shunammites woman? Or was this just a part of the story? She could have stopped right there. That's what I love about this lady. She was laser focused. She laid that boy on the bed. She shut the door and she said, get me the donkey. Get me a servant. I'm headed to find Elisha. I'm headed to find the man of God. I'm headed there. Even her husband asked her, what are you doing? It's all good, she said. That's in my terms. It's all good. Was she in a scene or was she acting in her story? She was acting in her story. So the woman began. She was so determined. So sometimes we have to go back to the very source of our promise, the place where God met you, the place where he gave you a dream, a place that God said, you know what, I'm going to do that for you. Because we sometimes, when things get rough and when things get disappointing, we can get caught in a scene and not see the full story. So we have to understand sometimes, we have to go back to where the promise started. The Shunammite woman was about to do that. She's like nobody's deterring me. Get me a donkey and go as fast as you can. Her husband was like, "You okay?" She goes, "It's all right." And on her journey, Elisha saw her in the back. He saw her coming, and he sent his servant. He goes, "Go find out what the Shunammite woman's coming so fast at. Go find out." And the servant said, is everything okay? How about your son? How about your husband? And she again said, it's all right. It's all good. It is well. She never said, oh, poor me. Oh, my goodness. What am I going through right now? She never said that. She was laser focused. She knew that she was going to bring it back to the source that that dream came alive. She was determined to get to Elisha. She was determined to have him come see her son. So Elisha told her, his servant, take your cloak, take my staff, and run as fast as you can and lay it on the boy. And nothing happened. Is that a scene? A part of the story. And this is what the Shunammite woman told Elisha, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And he got up and followed her. When Elisha reached the house, he went in and shut the door. And all you had was a dead boy and Elisha. He began to pray. And the Bible says that he laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand and the body began to get warm. And then the Bible says that he got up and walked back and forth, and he did it again. You know, sometimes we got to get up, walk back and forth, and just do it again. Sometimes we got to have a little bit of breakthrough, and sometimes we got to get back up, walk back and forth, and do it again. Then he did it again and the bodies became warm, and then all of a sudden, the boy sneezed seven times, and he opened his eyes. He was totally healed. Elisha called for his mother, and they walked out of the room. (laughs) There's more to the story. There's more to the story. We jump over to to chapter 8, and Elisha told the Shunammite woman, so now we've gone a little bit, and Elisha told the Shunammite woman, leave your land, the famine's coming. How many understand there's rain sometimes and there's famine sometimes, but God gives us faith to believe. No matter what scene we're in, no matter what our story is, God is faithful. So there was a famine coming into the land. And Elisha said, you need to go. You need to go to another land because because a famine's coming. He warned her. She fled with her family to the Philistine area. After the famine, (laughs) she returns home to find out that her home was gone. Her crops were gone. So she decides, I love this woman, laser focused. She's like, wait a minute here. I know God. So you know what she did? She decides I'm going before the king. So she starts walking with her son before the king. But what she did not know is that the servant of Elisha was already at the king's palace. And this is one of the most powerful things the king said. Tell me about the stories of Elisha. Stories, stories, stories. Tell me about the stories of Elisha. At the very same time, here comes a Shunammite woman and her family. At the very time. Now listen, God does that. This is just not a Bible story. I'm getting ready to share with you a story that happened in my life. The Shunammite woman's coming from the other side. The king and the servant are talking about the great things that God had done through Elisha. The king saw, uh, the, uh, the servant said, there she is, there she is, there she is right now. She comes walking up and the king said, did this really happen to you? Did this really happen? Is this confirming? And she said, yes, this happened. Yes, this happened. And you know what happened? The king made a decree. The king made a decree. He's going to restore all of her house and land and repay her seven years of crops. (laughs) Some, somebody in here needs to know the king can make one decree over your life. And what has seemed to be an obstacle, all it takes is one decree. All it takes is one time. All it takes is one thing. And God said, You know what? You're getting your house back. You're getting your land back. You're getting what the enemy tried to steal back. You're getting your life back. You're getting your husband back. You're getting your kids back. All it takes is one decree. I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to make a decree over your life this day. And the things that have been trying to take you out, and the things that have been trying to just keep you down, He wants today to unlock those things in your life, and He's making a decree this morning. And I declare today that God is speaking to this house, even in transition, that we're getting ready to go into the greatest season that we've ever seen in our lives, and you're getting ready to go into the greatest season that you've ever known before. We don't ever want to forget that he'll do it again. He'll do it again. I want to tell you a story as I wrap this message up, because I believe I came here for one purpose. And that's to tell this story. This story that I'm about to tell you has been on my heart for many weeks now. 31 years ago, Bishop and I started and planted our very first church in South Florida. 31 years ago. Now listen. 31 years ago, people didn't really plant churches. They split churches. 31 years ago, you didn't have storefront churches. 31 years ago. Now listen to this. We, we started a church, and we went to a storefront building, and the only one we could find was a car dealership. Now y'all know about car dealerships, right? They're all glass. <laughs> but it was the only one we could find. So we rented it. So we put, I don't know, that plastic stuff in the windows, and put some other stuff in the windows so you couldn't see what we were doing. I mean, actually, we wanted to make sure people, you know, watch the pulpit, not the cars go by. That's really what we wanted to do. No. (laughs) But anyway, this is the deal with this building. This building had a big wall between the building that we rented and the grocery store. We had no parking. Now, we rented this building because it's the only one we could find. Because God said, start a church. The grocery store and us shared the wall. We had to go talk to the grocery store and ask them, can we park in the back lot? Can our people park in the back lot of the grocery store? And they were very kind because Sundays were not as busy. And they let us park back there. Now listen, we parked back there and then all of our people that tried to come to our church, had to walk through an alley, past all of the dumpsters for the grocery store—wasn't that a great aroma? I wish I would've had Bath and Body Works then to spray (laughs) around—into the back door. We had no front door. We had a building with all windows. It had the smallest bathroom in there you can possibly think of, and that was, we did everything in there. We did the kitchen in there. We did everything in that little bathroom. Now, we wouldn't get away with that probably today, so 31 years ago, we could get away with all kinds of stuff. We'd bring hoses in there. We did all kinds of stuff to do stuff, but that's not even the, that's a total rabbit trail, what I just did right there. (laughs) The point is, here we are. We're in this building. Now, listen, there were things that we were different as. We valued presence. We valued prophetic. We valued praise and worship. We valued multicultural. The things that we valued were so unheard of in that city that we became a laughter and a mocking because of the things that we were trying to do. We were laughed at all over the city and mocked for what we were doing. And they really did say, they're putting those things up in the window so we really can't see what they're doing. They really thought we were a cult because we were in a storefront. Now, is that the craziest thing now? We walk down, I don't know about you, but I can drive down the street now and go, oh, there's another church there. Oh, oh, all right. Because we had this mindset 31 years ago that a church had to be with a steeple on it. And that's not really the church. That's just a sheep shed, guys. God gave us this to worship in, but we're the church. We are the church. So we have this building that we're being made fun of for being in. We're being made fun of because of where it's at. We have no parking, and actually people are coming. Not a great deal of people, but we had people. And we had those kind of people that were just like the Shunammite woman. They were laser focused. The things that we valued, they valued. The things that we believed, they believed. They got in the saddle and we just went for it. We believed God. There was nothing that was going to hold us back. So we began this journey with this church. And put it. you know how you just, you kind of, you know, you just, you're just you doing your best, but you've been made fun of all over the city. And people don't understand why you're doing it. They don't understand why you're praising, worshiping, why you're dancing before the Lord, why you got banners. You know, that was back in the banner days. <laughs> I would stay up all night making a banner for the right song. Because I was the worship leader at the time. And, I mean, I would just, God would give me dreams and banners. I don't know, I guess The banner dreams are all gone now, but I don't even know if I'd stay up all night to make a banner now. I probably ordered off Amazon. (sighs) See, I did a peace banner, you know. But anyway, (laughs) here we are. We're in this car dealership, right? And so we had a man that was coming from Africa that wanted to come do a couple night what we called revival. Revival. Do y'all know what that term is? Nightly meetings that you come to consistently. I know that's not something that we do so much today, but I firmly believe that God wants to do something so significant uh, that that might be something we might just do sometime when he just decides to show up in a powerful way. I'm just simple enough to believe, God, that signs and wonders are coming back to the house of God and that people are going to get saved once again because, you know, signs and wonders, they're for the unbeliever, right? Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost. So, listen, we brought this guy in, right, who's from Africa. Now, I was the worship leader, and you have to understand, I've been—I was the type of worship leader that if we needed a drummer, I picked Bryce. And I would say, Bryce, I know something's in you. Come play the drums. If I need an alto, I would say, I need an alto. Someone down here, come. Because I just never, and even if you sang bad, I turned off the microphone. If you worshiped, it was okay. You did what you had to do. Now, don't tell anybody I did that. No, I've confessed in that church that I did that. But I was the worship leader. And I can't tell you how many times I sang majesty. Now, y'all don't know that song, but it's a song that we sang back way back when in Majesty, worship His Majesty, right? I sang that song 450,000 times. And He would say, Sing it till I get there. I'm thinking, Sing it till I get there. The first two nights were great. And then, Glorify Thy Name, I sang 450 million times. Glorify Thy Name, Glorify you know. Sorry if that bothered you. <laughs> so I would sing that. He'd say, Pastor Kathy, sing it till I get there. And I was thinking, what are you going to get here? <laughs> he didn't come. No, he did come. But this guy came in and he began to preach the word. And then all of a sudden, miracles Signs, wonders started happening all over the congregation. What? I began to stand on that platform and I watched miracle after miracle after miracle. And he would say, there's one, I'm going to tell you two times that, I mean, there's so many every night. One night became to two nights. Three nights started happening. Then we came back for the fourth night. And then the fifth night, then the sixth night. And guess what? The worship team showed up. The ushers showed up. People came. We moved into a 17-night revival where signs and wonders hit that city like it never seen before. Those same people that mocked us, those same people that laughed at us, those same people that said, I'll never come into that church through an alley and pass the dumpster. Guess what? They started coming to church. They started sitting there. There. They started, we had to add chairs and add chairs and add chairs. <laughs> I remember one night that he had a prophetic word and said, there's a little boy in here that has a deformity in his private area. And God's healing him right now. Now listen, if you're the pastor and the pastor's wife and he's going on out with you, are going, oh, I hope you heard from God. Because there were times I didn't have that whole full faith and power. Maybe y'all do, and that's okay. I hope you do. But I was sitting there going, I need to sing Majesty again. <laughs> and uh, he had, he said, a lady came forth with her little boy who was about eight years old. He said, take him to the bathroom. And I mean, can I be really honest with you? I love, I mean, I'm just honest. I'm who I am, right? I'm not trying to be anybody else. It's is who I am. This right here, began to (laughs) squeeze up. And I was like, God, if you don't do this, everybody that's been coming to these miracle sessions is going to know that we are the craziest people. Because you have to understand, they're finally coming through the alley. They're finally coming past the dumpster. They're finally saying that we're not crazy. And they're singing majesty and glorify thy name a 450 times like me. Here comes the mom and her little eight-year-old boy. And I'm watching him go to the bathroom. Now I don't know what my husband thinks because he was full of faith and power probably. And the, all of a sudden, you could hear In the bathroom, the mom began to praise her God. All of a sudden, she screamed to the top of her lungs and said, God's healed my boy. The congregation went ballistic. The next night, the crowds grew. Every night, God was doing something specific. I remember people were beginning to come and lay their drugs and their paraphernalia on the altar. Needles, drugs, people began to get set free in the middle of all of that. Listen, this is not a story. This is a complete story that God, just not a story, it's a story that God wants to do once again. And I just have a little bit of simple belief because I saw it before that God wants to do it again in this house. God wants to do it on this corner. God wants to do something so specific in this house through you, through this place. Listen, you're gonna be seated. I gotta tell you one more. <laughs> I gotta tell you one more. I need to get back to my notes. I wrote them all down, my note, my note typer, he's in heaven, probably typing notes to someone, Paul, I don't know. I had to write them all out. He usually typed all my notes. That's when he gave me the wow, that's powerful, wow or the huh. And he'd always change my notes. That's all right. So last night, uh, I put on my Facebook, you know, just my dogs and I were there. They couldn't help me. So I wrote them all out. So here we are. The nights are building. People are coming. People that mocked us, ridiculed us, said they would never come into a storefront. You know, the religious people. (laughs) You know, those kind of people. The religious people. But then other people were coming too. So this one night, this, pa- this preacher, pastor, he says, someone in here has a gun and you're getting ready to do something you shouldn't do. No one responded. He kept preaching. He said it again. He said, someone in here has a gun and you're getting ready to do something with it that you don't want to do. No one responded. Now you have to understand, by this time, I'm not squeezing anymore, I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> I've seen it too, too much. He kept preaching. He said it the third time. Someone in here has a gun. And you're getting ready to do something with it. You shouldn't. No one moved. He kept on preaching. We got to the end of the service. What we thought was the end. He said, again, I'm going to call for the person who has the gun. And you're going to do something with it that you don't need to do. This young girl probably 20 years old comes walking down the aisle and she pulled out of her purse a gun (laughs) and laid it on the altar and she said I was in the grocery store next door and I heard something call me to come into this church (laughs) I heard she came in and on the fourth appeal she heard him say someone has a gun and you're going to do something bad with it. (laughs) She came and she laid at the altar and she said I was about to go kill my boyfriend. I want you to understand something today. God, (laughs) He's faithful. And you can be sure that when He's in it, even through the wall of a grocery store, She had no idea what was calling her into that church that day, except for God was getting ready to deliver her, probably from being in jail the rest of her life. She gave her heart to the Lord that night. We took the gun. And you know what happened? The scope of our church changed in 17 days. Because we had a people that said, no matter what it takes, we want to see the Lord. No matter what it takes, we want to see signs and wonders and miracles once again. No matter what it takes, we'll be there. We got laser focused. Just like that Shunammite woman went to the king and she said, you're going to give the land back? You're going to give my crops back? Well, she didn't ask for it. He gave it to her. But you know, she went in there to ask for it. <laughs> God's not changed because that was in the 90s. You know what? Today, young people in that church said, Sit down. When I was just there last year, said, Tell me the story, Pastor Kathy. Tell me the story. You were there. Will you tell me the story? You see, there's always more to the story. Our church changed that day. We grew. Money started to come in, and we were able to buy 10 acres of property on the outside of the city. Not on the outside, but the outskirt of the city. And we began to build a church. Now this part is a little rough. And I'm telling you all of this for a reason. We ran out of money. We had the building up. And I'll never forget the day that they had to come board it all up. And we became the laughing stock once again in the city. They wanted to make our church into a movie theater, offered offered us pennies on the dollar. if We'd sell them the 10 acres of land and the metal building that we had up. But you have to understand something. By then, we knew from the beginning that God had us in that city. We knew that God had called us to that city. We knew that great exploits were going to happen out of that city. So, my husband and I, we had a green van at the time. I'll never forget it. We'd get out of the truck because we had 10 acres of property and there was a big tree on it. And it had some, it had the dirt there. Everything else was kind of grass. We got out, we picked up that soil in front of that building that was all boarded up. It seemed to be no way that we were ever going to finish this building. And we pulled up that soil and we said, O oh earth, O oh earth, you hear the word of the Lord. We brought back, just like the Shunammite woman went back to Elisha where the point of her promise was. We went back to that place that God had given us, that 10 acres of property, where God had given us that building, and we had to shut it up. And we went out there almost every day and walked that property and said, oh, earth, oh, earth, you hear the word of the Lord. This building will get finished. Do we know how? No. Do we didn't know? We, we began, we were having offers every single day to buy our property because we had prime property and we already had the building up, it just wasn't finished. At the very same time, yes, one day there was a church in West Palm Beach, Florida. That that one day happened, and that day they took an offering up for us, a huge offering. They called my husband that afternoon and said, by next week, we're sending every contractor we have to your city. We're bringing the wood. We're bringing we're bringing the sheetrock. We're bringing the nails and we're bringing the workforce because we're going to help you finish what God has called you to do. At the very same time that we're walking that property and still we're still in the car dealership because we can't get into our building. God was working something else out and then that time period God said, "Don't finish." I mean, don't stop. You finish. He said, don't stop. We didn't know where the money was going to come from all completion. But that obedience of that one church turned everything around, and we were able to finish our building. Now listen, those same mockers, those same people that mocked us, when we left the car dealership, I have to tell you this because it's so powerful. We have the main highway going down this city. You don't ever block off the the highway. That'd be like down here on Northwest Expressway. You just don't block it off. Well, we went to the city and told them we wanted a parade, that we wanted to walk from the car dealership (laughs) to our building, and they said, pastor we can't block off this federal highway i guess it's a federal highway it's u.s something and my husband said we want to do a parade and guess what we did a parade not only did we do a parade we sent the worshipers first not only did we do a parade where the worshipers went first The sheriff's department put the horses out front and led us down the U.S. highway to our new building. We put the oldest member we had on the back of a convertible, and she was the the matron of everything. She helped us start that building, start that, that congregation, and we marched ourselves, which is probably like a mile down to our new building, and when we went in, we went in with great singing. And why did I say all that? Because sometimes we can get caught in a scene and not give place to the rest of the story. And now, 31 years later, that church is still thriving. That church has a school on it. That church is getting ready to break ground on a new sanctuary. And that church is still alive and well because there were people that had that, that laser focus that we'll do whatever we have to do. We'll be whatever God has called us to be. And we will make sure that whatever he calls us to do we say yes. I said all that to say this today. I believe with my whole heart, he's going to do it again. And we were, sit- we're sitting in the ripest time that we've ever sat in America for God to come in and give us another great awakening And I don't know about you, (laughs) but I want to be a part of it in Oklahoma City. I want to be a part of whatever God is saying. I want to do it. I want to be there because I believe he's going to do it again. And I believe that our story is not over. I believe that we're not going to get caught in a scene of disappointment. We're not going to get caught in a scene of where we are right now. But we're going to finish the story that God has put over this church and put over your lives. I believe I'm saying that prophetically today. Because he's going to do it again. You see, stories awaken hope. When we set our hope on God, (laughs) he'll do it again. Stories speak to our future. And today, I believe we're speaking into our future. I believe that we've only just begun. Listen, I'm asked almost every day and every week. (laughs) I thought about doing this. I'm going to do it anyway, just because I can and I have that microphone. (laughs) They say, how's the gate church doing? How's the Gate Church doing? I just thought today, maybe we should just let the world know how we're doing. How are we doing? Hey, how are we doing? I just, I think we need to give a a little shout what God is doing and what he's about to do. Hey! Hey! How are we doing? This is how we're doing. This is how we're doing. God is faithful. God is miraculous. He is our great Jehovah.
1: great triumph. Hey, hey, hey. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is my story. Let's sing this together. This is my song, praising my Savior.
0: Morning. And the chains of just seeing ourselves in a scene and not owning our story. We own our story today. We own it because we have a story. <laughs> I believe that something's been broken off of your life today. Something's been broken off of my life today. And something's breaking off within this body so that we can move forward in what God has for us. Because I'm just, I told you before, I just have a a simple faith that God's gonna do something so miraculously that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God wants to do in this house, what God wants to do outside this house, what He wants to do in our city and our community. And you are a part of that.